Welcome. You're listening to Janesville Mobilizing for Changes Together for Change podcast. Your source for local substance abuse prevention matters in Janesville and Rock County. Here's your host, Aaron Davis. Good morning and thank you for joining us. This is Aaron Davis, your host for Together for Change. Back today is Kathy Camo, the Stop Act Coordinator for JM4C. Welcome, Kathy. Hi. So briefly, can you recap for our listeners um, what the Stop Act grant is and what you do with that here in Janesville? Uh, well, I'm the project coordinator for the Stop Act grant, which is uh, a substance uh, use prevention grant for youth in Janesville. And the focus of this grant for us has been on uh, addressing the uh, risk factors, uh, particularly for the LGBTQ uh, youth in Janesville. Uh, And that has involved putting in um, training for school staff so that schools become a more welcoming place for them and teachers have more more understanding about the uh, struggles that LGBTQ students face. We've also done presentations at the library so that the uh, general public uh, have a better understanding of of LGBTQ individuals. And if somebody wants to attend one of those presentations, what are they called? Uh, We're calling them the the Spectrum uh, Program Series. And that the Spectrum uh, has a connotation of a continuum. And that's really what we're looking at, a continuum among uh, sexuality and also gender. Uh, And actually, the name... uh, uh, one of the students at uh, the local high schools came up with the name for that. All right, so today what we're going to do, as promised last episode, is we are going to go over some of the terms, you know, if you have questions for somebody in the LGBTQ community, how you would go about asking that. So, Kathy, let's start with the very basic. What does LGBTQ mean? Um, well, first of all, I'm a cisgender, straight woman uh, who is an advocate for the LGBTQ community. But uh, LGBTQ stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning or queer. And actually, we could add to that because um, you could say LGBTQ plus okay. uh, because there's other uh, individuals who have taken on different names that that better represent who they are, um, such as such as uh, within the Native community, there's the two spirit um, individuals who uh, identify as both male and female, and they're from the Native American community, correct? Yes. All right. So, are there any other terms that might show up in that LGBTQ plus? Yes, and I'm not familiar with all of them. The Human Rights Campaign uh, has a website, and it actually is a really good resource for a lot of terminology. Okay, so let's just go through some of the terms. Um, Right off the bat, I heard you use the word cisgender. What does that mean? Uh, That means that I identify with the sex that I was assigned at birth. So when I was born, uh, the doctor said, congratulations, you have a girl. And I've always thought of myself as a girl. I've never questioned whether I was a girl. I never felt like I was a boy. Um, even if I wasn't told that I was a girl, I would still feel like a girl. So, and cis means 
that it's the same. It's I, I identify with the same as what I was born with. And so if I didn't, let's say that I, I am born a girl, and my parents heard, congratulations, you have a girl, and by the time I was three or four, I realized that, really, no, I feel like a boy, then what would the term be for me? Um, well, it could be either transgender, meaning that you're identifying with uh, uh, the opposite sex uh, that you were assigned at birth, or it could be that you um, are uh, gender nonconforming, that you're just um, not really, you don't really feel like you're the gender that you were assigned. And are both of those terms um, politically correct or gender sensitive? Yes. Um, gender nonconforming um, is someone who really doesn't conform to the traditional expectations of their gender and who doesn't, whose gender expression doesn't really fit that category. Now, when um, we talk about things like gender expression or gender nonconforming, we're not talking about a little boy that likes the color pink, correct? It goes way beyond that. Oh, yeah, it goes way beyond that. And, and a lot of, um, when you look at, uh, for instance, little boys who like the color pink and who may, um, who are born, uh, who are assigned at birth as being male but really feel as they're, they're female, one of the ways that they can express themselves that, uh, that they are really female is by dressing like a little girl. Um, so it's um, a lot of times that that can be confusing for parents who see their, and think that this is just a phase, that they're just, uh, it's a play, it's wearing costumes, that kind of thing. Um, and the, uh, if a child is consistent and persistent uh, about their identifying as a sex not, that they're not assigned to, then it's something that really needs to be uh, explored further and taken seriously. And I think that transgender individuals arguably have the hardest time in society. Would you say that that's correct? I, th I, I, I would think so, yes. I think when we uh, talk to teachers at school as far as uh, what their training needs are, that seems to be the, um, the topic that most teachers want more information about. It's something that they're... Um, that it's harder to understand. Um, and uh, I think it's uh, even for those within the LGBTQ community that when they come to terms with wh uh, who they are, uh, it's, you know, it's a struggle for them, too, to come out and, uh, uh, and be their authentic self in a, in a world that really doesn't know how to accept them. And so when you say when they realize who they are, the first thing that comes to mind is that there are transgender individuals who opt to choose their own name for themselves. And how can that affect a young person in the, we'll say, Janesville School District or in the Janesville community if they choose to change the name or, or go by a different name than the one that they are given by their parents? Uh, name changes, are, uh, uh, there's a lot of things involved with name changing. And uh, if anyone really um, is interested in finding more about that, I would suggest contacting um, Trans uh, Law Help in Madison uh, because there's a lot of um, loopholes that they have, they have to go through. But um, for laymen, um, 
a, uh, a person who is transgender who chooses to use a different name, the name that they were given at birth becomes their dead name. And so they, to refer to them by their dead name really uh, invalidates who they are as a person. Uh, and um, we're really trying to encourage uh, school staff to call them by the name that the child chooses. It becomes really complicated when you've got parents who may not be supportive and don't want the child to be called by anything other than their dead name. So that puts um, school staff in a difficult position. You've got a child that they want to support and call them by the name they choose to use, and you've got the parents who may not be totally on board with the whole thing yet. So if I want to be caring and supportive of an LGBTQ youth, I, I should say transgender youth, then one of the things that I could do would definitely be to call them by the name that they chose. Yes. Okay. So some of the other terms that I hear, um, not quite transgender, but intersex. Intersex is um, a term that you is that is used to describe a, a wide range of natural body variations. Um, some of these traits can be visible at birth. Um, some of them don't appear until puberty, but they're, it's actually a bio, biology. It's a physical... Um, like a condition? It's Yes, a physical condition of the body. So if somebody is born intersex, does that automatically mean that they will be transgender? Uh, no, I think that a, a many within the LGBTQ community, when we are trying to get away from assigning a child at birth with a certain gender and letting the child decide as they get older uh, who they are. So it, um, it's a new idea for, for us that aren't within that community, but especially with a lot... Um, I see on Facebook that people have these um, the gender reveal parties. We would discourage that because it, the gender should really be decided by the child. So if, if I'm understanding correctly, somebody who is born intersex may have both male and female reproductive systems. Is that correct? Yes, that could be, yeah. When a child is born with both male and female reproductive systems, what would you encourage the parents to do? It's hard to answer that for me as a layperson because I think there's a lot of medical issues that have to be taken into consideration. But in the old days, um, it was uh, decided that they would there would be a surgery and um, the child would be either male or female. Um, and the parents would make that decision. And the parent and the doctor would make that decision. I think now, uh, with uh, a better understanding of um, of the continuum, uh, that uh, that uh, gender is not binary; it's not male or female. Then we have this continuum. That it's um, it's in, if possible, it's encouraged that. Uh, surgery is uh, delayed until the child is able to identify uh, their own gender. A couple of the other terms that I hear that aren't part of LGBTQ are asexual and pansexual. Okay, asexual is actually um, a lack of sexual attraction or desire for any person, I mean sexually. An asexual person could be romantic and have close friends and close emotional bonds, but they're not a sec they're not sexual. 
So um, this isn't about binary or non-binary. This no. is about sexual preference. Yes, yes. And, and asexual people are not sexually attracted to anyone. And someone who's pansexual? Pansexual is uh, someone who's uh, potentially attracted to anyone. Um, so it's And that's not limited to just binary. It could be attraction to uh, any, anyone on the continuum. So how about the pronouns, right? We have the easy ones, the ones that, I mean, I use the term easy, but I don't know that that's quite right. I suppose we have the ones that are traditional, like she and he. But what about some of the ones that aren't as traditional? So, for example, calling a person they, a single person. So we would normally use the word they to describe a group of people. But if somebody chooses to have they be their pronoun, how does that work? In a lot of situations where, um, in public situations where we're introducing ourselves, uh, we're really encouraging people to use their pronouns so that people know how to refer to them. Can you give me an example? For instance, I would say, um, hi, my name is Kathy Cummo, and I use the pronouns she, her. Does that ever get awkward? It, it can when you're first getting used to doing it. Um, if you're unsure about someone's pronouns, um, if uh, it's not really clear uh, what gender they are or how to refer to them, you could say, um, what pronouns do you use? That's not an offensive thing to ask, and most people are, are, um, are glad that you asked. So I've seen people like at the grocery store wearing buttons that say, my name is Jennifer. And I just made that name up. But my name is Jennifer, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Is that something that's common within the community? I don't know if it's, if you'd say it's common. I know we, uh, at meetings that I hold with parents, with um, community members, with the youth, uh, I'll often have a, a tray of buttons. So if they choose to wear a button to identify what their pronoun preference is, then that's, you know, that's, that, that's okay. What advice would you give to people who are interacting with others who are not like themselves, that want to learn, they want to embrace differences, but they're not really sure how to go about doing it? Uh, I think the best way to do that is to um, uh, learn more uh, about the other person. It's, it's always about putting yourself in someone else's shoes and experiencing the world from their viewpoint to really understand. We offer the Spectrum Series programs at the library once a month. That's a great way to get to know uh, individuals from the LGBTQ community, but also to talk about some of the issues that they face so that you have a better understanding of what they're going through and how to be an advocate for them. So would you say that an advocate and an ally are the same thing? I would say so. I think advocate kind of um, indicates more of action, where an ally could just be someone who's there more passively but still is supportive. But it, it, you, could be, you could be both. All right. So is there anything else that you would like to say in regards to some of the terms that we recap today? I think um, if, if people are interested in knowing more about the terminology, there's a great presentation that we're going to have on February 19th. Uh, it's, with, uh, it's called Beyond Binary, and it's going to be presented by Hawthorne McCracken from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Hedberg Library Program Room. So it's open to the public. Please join us. 
All right. So thank you very much, Kathy. With that, we're going to wrap up today's Together for Change podcast. Thank you for joining us and have a wonderful day. Thank you.